Welcome to Grace and Glory Audio, featuring Pastor P.G. Matthew, Bible teacher and pastor of Grace Valley Christian Center, located in Davis, California. Today, Pastor Matthew continues in the Bible series on the Book of Romans with this message entitled, The Saints' Triumphant Praise. If you have your Bible with you, please turn to Romans chapter 5. Now, here's our teacher, Pastor P.G. Matthew. Heavenly Father, we pray that you show us your plans you have for us. Plans to prosper us and not to harm us. Plans to give us hope and a future. Show us, O oh Lord, the final installment of our salvation. Amen. Having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Let us together say the last sentence. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Because of justification, we enjoy peace with God. We are given access to God's presence. And now, the third blessing is we rejoice. Three things I want to say to you. First, we rejoice. Second, we rejoice in hope. And third, we rejoice in the glory of God. Paul was in prison, in chains, in Rome for the gospel. And he was a prisoner of the Lord, he said. Yet from there he wrote to the Philippians exhorting them, rejoice in the Lord always. I say again, rejoice. Friends, grace of God enables us to rejoice. So one of the blessings of justification by grace through faith is triumphant praise, jubilant joy. Having been justified by faith, we enjoy peace with God and therefore peace of God. We come into God's presence. No more are we outside in the cold. We are inside in the kingdom of God and we praise in triumph always. Friends, the joy of this world always comes to an end. But not the joy of salvation. Only a Christian can do so, rejoice always. The Gentiles, we are told, run after these things, the things of the world. But St. John the Apostle tells us in 1 John 2, for everything in the world, 
the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boasting of things comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its lusts pass away. But the man who does the will of God lives forever. So let's turn to the first point. We rejoice. Romans 5, 2 reads, Through our Lord Jesus Christ we have gained access by faith into this grace, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. The Greek for rejoice is the verb kaukometa. It means brag, boast. Glory, exult, triumphantly praise, rejoice with exceeding joy. It means a little more than rejoice. And it is in the present tense that means we praise God continually. Not only when good things happen. Every believer triumphantly praise always in view of the hope of the glory of God what does that mean in view of the absolute certainty of our final ultimate salvation now Jewish people used to brag those who claim to have been justified by their own good works brag constantly about themselves. You look at chapter 2 of Romans, verse 17. The Jewish people bragged about their relation to God. God is our God. Gentiles are dogs without God. So they bragged. They bragged about their law-keeping, chapter 2, verse 23. Remember the rich young ruler, he said, I have kept these laws from my youth up. They bragged about their circumcision. They boasted in their flesh. Philippians 3.13 and Galatians 6.13. I'm saved. And I can show you that I'm saved. And we today probably say, I can show you that I'm saved and baptized. Or I go to church and so on. St. Paul tells in Ephesians 2 and verse 9, we are saved by grace and not by works, lest no man should brag. If you want to listen to bragging, let us turn to the Pharisee bragging in chapter 18 of Luke, verses 11 and 12. The Pharisee stood up and prayed about himself. God, I thank you that I am not like other men, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get bragging that is prohibited 
Or look at another Pharisee. Philippians chapter 3. And he tells us. Verse 3 and following 4. It is we who are circumcision. We who worship by the spirit of God. Who glory. Who boast. In Christ Jesus. And who put no confidence in the flesh. And then he says, do I myself have a reason for such confidence? If anyone else thinks he has reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more circumcised on the eighth day. First thing. Of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews. They spoke Hebrew at home. In regard to the law of Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness of the law, perfect. What more do you want? In chapter 3 verse 27 of Romans says such glorying is excluded before God. It is a stench in the nostrils of God when people stand and boast in themselves. And chapter 4 verse 2 tells us what then shall we say that Abraham, our forefather, discovered in this matter, if in fact Abraham was justified by works, he had something to boast about, but not before God. And he proves that he was justified by grace through faith. So there is a negative boasting that should be excluded. But there is a positive boasting we are exhorted to boast, to brag, to rejoice greatly, to glory. And St. Paul cites Jeremiah 9.24 in 1 Corinthians 1.31. Let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. In what God has done for us sinners. Paul says in Philippians 3 verse 3, we boast in Christ Jesus. Go ahead, boast, praise, sing, worship, glory in Jesus Christ. For what he is, who he is, and what he has done for us miserable sinners. In Galatians 6 14, Paul says, we glory in the cross. cross of our Lord Jesus Christ Christ was delivered over in death for our sins and was raised for our justification we boast we are proud of the cross which tells us that there is nothing good in us and we stand in grace of God let me tell you, God's plan for our salvation is all of grace. So that God be praised for his grace now and in all eternity. Turn to Ephesians, friends. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 6 and 12 and 14. In love, he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. For what purpose? To the praise of his glorious grace. It's a refrain in this chapter. To the praise of his glorious grace. 
Verse 12, in order that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be, we might be for the praise of his glory. Friends, when you come, you know, when you sing, instruct your children to sing. They have the ability to do so. It is important we do so. We are for the praise of his glorious grace, praise of his glory. And verse 14, who is deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory, sir. Go ahead, pray, glory, boast, worship, praise in this way. Oh, what blessings the grace of God brings to us in the gospel. Look at chapter 1 of Ephesians again and, and verse 7. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. Riches, uh, riches, plural, sir, of God's grace. Yes. And chapter 2, verse 7. In order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace. Incomparable riches. Chapter 3, verse 8. Although I am less than the least of all God's people, the grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. In chapter 3 of Ephesians, verse 16, I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you. In the gospel comes to you Riches, unsearchable riches, incomparable riches, glorious riches. And when you receive it and when you unpack it, you praise, you rejoice, you worship, you sing, you brag, you dance, you glory. And if you don't understand the gospel, you will be afraid and timid and anxious and retreat and complain and sin. Romans 12 verse 12 says, Be joyful in hope. That is in hope of the glory of God. Romans 15, 17, St. Paul says, Therefore I brag, I glory, I boast in Christ Jesus in what he has done for me and through me. Yes, we are entitled to boasting and praising. Hallelujah. Let's praise the Lord. Yes, we triumphantly praise God in hope of the coming glory of God. My ultimate salvation is so sure. So I rejoice even in tribulations, knowing even death cannot prevent me from my glorification. Because my ultimate salvation depends, friends, entirely on God and not on myself. Look at chapter 5 of Romans and verse 11. Not only is this so, but we also rejoice the same word in God through our Lord Jesus Christ. In God, sir. We rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ. In God, sir. Not in ourselves, nothing. In God. 
My salvation depends all on grace, all on God, 100% on God and 0% on myself. Therefore, I am absolutely certain of my ultimate salvation. To any degree, salvation depended on me, then I cannot be certain of my ultimate salvation. But the Bible says salvation is all of grace, all of God. Therefore, we are absolutely certain of our final salvation. Therefore, what do I do, friends? I glory, exalt, brag, boast, praise, always. It's a shame for a Christian to go about downcast, miserable, anxious, fearful, complaining. You should understand what God has done for us in Jesus Christ. And if you are lying down, you will sit up. If you are sitting, you will stand. If you are standing, you will dance. You will run up and down. And you praise God. Hallelujah. Examine Paul's life of joy. As he was staying in that miserable prison. In Rome. And as he wrote. Philippians. I made mention of it. Take a look at it. Chapter 1 of Philippians. Verse 4. I thank my God every time. I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you. I always pray with joy. And verse 18. Of chapter 1. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice. Chapter 2, verse 2. Then make my joy complete. And chapter 2, verse 17 and 18. But even if I am being poured out like a drink offering, that means even if I die. On the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you, so you too should be glad and rejoice with me. In chapter 4, verse 1, Therefore, my brothers, you whom I love and long for, my joy and my crown. Verse 10, I rejoice greatly in the Lord. It's a great apostle, high-born citizen of Rome, Arrested in chains, in prison, in cold, in dampness, without many things, deprived of many things, and there he rejoices. Listen to the words of Jesus to the disciples who came back having performed the preaching tour, and they come and report, even demons are subject to us in your name. And he said, don't rejoice in this, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Rejoice for this great reason, this great reason. Your names are written in God's book of life from all eternity. You are foreknown, chosen before the foundation of the world, before the beginning of time. 
you are predestinated, you are called, you are justified, and you are glorified. There is no contingency. There is no doubt about it. God does it all. He foreknew, he predestinated, he called, he justified, he glorifies. Let's praise the Lord here. God does it all. Go ahead, brag, insult, rejoice, dance, praise God. Friends, you shall never lose your salvation. You shall never fall from God's grace. For God will make you stand and keep you from falling. Number two, we rejoice in hope. The word hope in English language today has the meaning of hope so. Full of contingency, full of doubts. Do you believe Mr. Barack Hussein Obama will cut taxes as promised? Well, the best we can say is what I hope so. But in the New Testament, hope has to do with certainty. Absolute certainty. Hope is faith-oriented to the future. Hope is based on God's promise. God who cannot lie or die or change his mind. God who is both good and almighty. Hope, as Dr. Kesselman, theologian, said, is not the prospect of what might happen, but the prospect of what is already guaranteed. Already guaranteed. Professor Frame says hope is not something radically different from faith, but it is a kind of faith, faith directed toward the future fulfillment of the promises of God. And so we read in Romans 4 verse 18, Abraham against hope against the reality of the death of both bodies of himself and his wife Sarah. But on the basis of hope, he believed. Because God has promised me a son. God is faithful. He creates out of nothing. He raises the dead. So I believe in his promise for the future. So, friends, we rejoice in the absolute certainty of our final salvation, our glorification, our being transformed to be like God at the glorious appearing, as Paul says in Titus 2.13, at the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. And this is our blessed hope for which we wait. Turn with me to Romans 8. Hope means we wait because hope has to do with future and we wait on the basis of God's promise. Romans 8, 24 and 25 for in this hope, hope of the redemption of our bodies, hope of our glorification. For in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is not hope at all. Who hopes for what he already has? 
But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. And in chapter 5, verse 5 says of Romans that this hope does not disappoint us. It does not shame us. In other words, it is certain it will be fulfilled. Hold on to it. Wait for it. Endure all troubles. We are destined for nothing less than glory. People disappoint us. Husbands disappoint us, spouses, wives, children, employers, presidents. So what do we do? Hope in God and in his gospel. And the Holy Spirit in us guarantees our final salvation. And you read about we are marked, we are sealed. And we will not be destroyed. We will be saved. The Gentiles are without Christ, without God, and therefore without hope. Ephesians 2.12 and 1 Thessalonians 4.13. They have only hope in this world. They run after this world. The things of this world. The lust of the flesh. Lust of the eyes. And boasting of things. Which all come to an end. All their joy shall come to an end. They will hear the terrible words. The party is over. And so they dread to die. The party is over for you. But our hope is in the Lord. St. Paul says Christ in us the hope of glory. And he says in 1 Timothy 1 verse 1, Jesus Christ, our hope. Let's say that together. Jesus Christ, our hope. And we are told it is a living hope. It is a hope stored up in heaven where Jesus Christ is. Our life is hid with Christ in God. It is hope of an inheritance kept in heaven for us that does not perish, spoil, or fade. It is that hope revealed in the gospel. Colossians 1.23, sir. In the gospel, hope is coming to you. It is a hope like an anchor that stabilizes our souls when we face all sorts of tribulations. Pain and sorrow. There is a smile, a radiance on their face. It has to do with this hope that stabilizes your souls when they are beaten about by all sorts of troubles and tribulations. Hebrews 6 and verse 18. By the enlightenment of the Holy Spirit we come to know the hope to which we are called. Even our glorification. Romans 15 verse 13 tells us this is abounding hope. Not a little bit something. But it fills 
our hearts and overflows. It's a bounding hope. That's why we sing, sir. We praise God. We worship God. That's why you are all attention when the gospel is preached. Because it gives us a bounding hope in the midst of all problems. This hope enables us to endure persecutions. Troubles and persecutions can only strengthen this hope. It cannot destroy it. Isn't that amazing? This hope also enables us to live a holy life. First John 3 and verse 3. Friend, in what are you basing your hope? Your family, your children, your education, your work, your beauty, your friends, your wealth, your power, your fame, your country, your boats. Yeah, buy the biggest truck you can find and boast in it. Cars, well, let me tell you, they all pass away. They all disappoint us. Your investments, it goes up and it goes down. They all disappoint us. Hope, therefore, in the Lord, in the Lord. Jesus Christ, our hope. Hope in the gospel. Believe in the Lord Jesus and you shall be saved into a living hope, sir. Number three, we rejoice in the glory of God. The glory of God can mean the glory God has or the glory God gives us so that we share, receive glory. But both are true here. God alone is glorious. He alone lives in unapproachable light. He is light. In him there is no darkness. He is eternally glorious. Adam was created with the glory to behold God of glory. But because of his sin, he came short of the glory of God. He lost God-likeness. Notice Revelation chapter 1 verse 22 and 23. Although they claimed to be wise, they, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God to images made to look like mortal Man, birds, animals, reptiles. They exchange truth for a lie. That's what man does because of his sinfulness. Yea, all of us have sinned. And we lost our God-likeness, our glory. And we glory in our shame, Paul says. You go to San Francisco, you see their glory in their perversions, in their shame. They are passionate. Sinners are without glory, so they rush for plastic surgery. They buy certain beauty-enhancing expensive stuff because they realize their glory is fading away. Sinners are without glory. They die. 
wages of sin is death but God devised a plan that will restore us to glory this was the mission of Jesus the son of God became incarnate to bring us to glory through his death and resurrection we are brought back to glory Hebrews 2 and verse 10 in bringing many sons to glory it was fitting that God for whom and through whom everything exists should make the author of their salvation perfect through suffering in bringing many sons to glory from shame and from death and from corruption corruption and dishonor and weakness to glory 2 Thessalonians 2.14 He called you to this through our gospel. When the gospel comes to you, this is the purpose. He called you to this through our gospel that you might possess, gain, attain, share in the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. His glory will be shared with you. Turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 5 verse 1 to the elders among you I appeal as a fellow elder a witness of Christ's suffering and one who also will share in the glory to be revealed yes God's son will come in great power and glory at which time we shall share his glory and verse 4 And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away, sir. Why why are you a hobo looking at the garbage can, looking for trash, running after pleasures of sin? If you are a believer, you will share in his glory. You will receive a crown of glory when he comes. Romans chapter 8 Verse 18, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be received into us, in us. Romans 8, 21, that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into, the correct translation is, brought into the freedom of the glory of the children of God. In other words, creation itself will be liberated into freedom and glory. Romans 8, 23 and 24, not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption as sons, i.e. the redemption of our bodies, our glorification. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 43, about our body that dies it is sown in dishonor it is sown in dishonor but it is raised in doxa in glory it is sown in weakness it is raised in power friends turn with me to the lord's prayer in john 17 and verse 22 and here We are told that this glory is given to us already. John 17 and verse 22. Listen to this high language. I have given them the glory that you gave me. 
we have already been given glory. But we are also being changed from glory to glory now in the present. 2 Corinthians 3.18 And we who with unveiled faces all behold the Lord's glory are being transformed into his likeness even now with ever increasing glory which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. As we behold the Lord in the scriptures we are being changed from one degree of glory to another. This is sanctification. And you read these scriptures, go home, First Peter 5, 1 and verse 4, Philippians 3, verse 20 and 21. Let's read that to make certain about what is awaiting in the future when we will be glorified. Philippians 3, 20 and 21, but our citizenship is in heaven and we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now listen who by the power that enables him, his Lord, to bring everything under his control, he will transform our body of humiliation and weakness, our lowly bodies, so that they will be like his glorious body. With that glorious body, we shall see him face to face. God is glorious unlike idols, we are sons of God and we are recreated in the image and likeness of God so we are to reflect God's glory even now from glory to glory he is changing us but when Christ comes again in great glory and power he will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his Hallelujah. glorious body yeah. we'll be like him unlike Moses who was permitted only to see the back part of God, we shall together with Moses see him face to face. Because we will be without sin. Then the hope shall be reality, no more hope. We shall possess glory to dwell with glory to dwell with God forever. Why do you go seeking trash? when you are destined for glory. No more sin and death and curse and misery and pain and tears and separation. The glorious people shall dwell with the God of glory in a glorious universe. No more pests and thistles and thorns and briars. Then the hope of our calling shall be realized fully. Turn with me to Romans 9, verse 23. Listen to this language and receive comfort and hope. What if he did this to make the riches of his glory known to the objects of mercy whom, talking about you, talking about me, whom he prepared in advance for glory, radiance, brilliance, sinless perfection, immortality we are prepared in advance this is God's purpose before the creation of the world we were prepared unto what glory friends glory is our destination and our destiny not sorrow 
not pain, not death. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians and, and chapter 2. Take a look at it, friends. I know you are not listening. If you are not listening, you are going to be miserable. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 7 through 9. No, we speak of God's secret wisdom. That's the gospel. A wisdom that has been hidden and that God destined for what? Our glory. Before time began. None of the rulers of this age, powerful people, leaders, brilliant people of the world, rich people of the world, rulers of this world, understood it. For if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. However, as it is written, listen now, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. What did he prepare for us, friends? Glory. What did he prepare for us? Say it again. Glory, 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 glory. Incorruptibility. Immortality. Friends, have you realized this? God has a wonderful plan for us. Who believe in Jesus Christ. Jeremiah said so. Jeremiah 29 verse 11. For I know the plans I have for you. Make you rich and famous and wealthy and powerful. You'll be the president of the United States. Is that what it is, sir? Silly. It is a plan higher and more transcendent than that. What is it? Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. In one word, what is it, sir? Come on. Glory. 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 That's our future. Friends, what are you choosing? Trash? Dung? I was in South India and I saw a number of people from this country and Canada coming there trying to listen to the Hindu philosophy. So I met with them. I, you know what you are doing? You are looking at a big cow dung pie. And you are looking for a grain of wheat because you rejected the bread of life that you heard in your country. Yes. You are seeking trash because you rejected the God of glory and the gospel that promised you glory. What are you choosing, friends? The rich fool, he chose trash. The rich man of Luke 16, he chose trash. The rich ruler, young ruler, chose trash. But let me read to you what this great man chose. His name is Moses. Hebrews 11, verse, beginning with verse 25, 24. By faith Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy trash, the pleasures of sin for a short time. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. What is the reward? Glory! Hallelujah. Glory, sir! 
And David says in Psalm 27 verse 4, one thing I ask of the Lord, and this is what I seek. What is it? That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze at the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. And Jesus told to Mary, uh, to Martha, there's only one thing is needful. Mary has chosen that good part. Have you chosen that good part, friends? That one thing needful, the source of all good things, the inexhaustible riches, incomparable riches of God's grace. Have you chosen that good part, even Jesus Christ? In him is life. In him is hope. He is joy. He is peace. He is our glory. St. Paul says, if only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most to be pitied. That's why those who seek Jesus to health and wealth, this is to be pitied. We have to pity them. Pitied. Trust in Christ. Not for health and wealth and power and fame of this world. Trust in God for eternal life, for glory. Matthew 4, to Jesus the devil said after showing him all the kingdoms of this world and their glory. This glory I'll give you if you bow down and worship me. That's what any person does when he sins. Bow down and worship me. Jesus refused choosing God's glory. May God help you to rejoice as believers always in hope of the glory of God. And if you are not a true believer, friend, may God grant you faith to trust in Christ. That you may today together with us rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Amen. You have been listening to Grace and Glory Audio with this message entitled, The Saints' Triumphant Praise. Come back soon for more transforming Bible teaching from Pastor P.G. Matthew.